Okay, so we're starting our summer series today. And yes, you did hear me right. Summer is here. Despite the temperature, I don't think it's raining here yet. It's not looking good in Manchester if you're a cricket fan, I'm afraid. But we start our summer series. I've got my flowery shirt on. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at the I Am statements made by Jesus throughout the, the Gospel of John. And I kick things off with this first statement found in John 6, verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Now, there were seven amazing statements which express, express his saving relationship towards the world, which all begin with I am. We're clearly going to focus on the second part of the statement. Otherwise, it's going to be a long summer. Seven weeks and seven ways, Jesus said, I am. I am. I am. I am. Uh, we, we could keep going on. However, we can't underestimate the significance of those first two words, I am. A few years ago, I saw a documentary about Jay-Z, the American rapper, where they were talking about how carefully he constructs his lyrics. One of the guys they were interviewing, enthusiastic, chipped in. He doesn't waste a vowel. He doesn't waste a vowel. Now, I'm not sure that comment quite makes sense. He doesn't put two oohs in lose to make loose. or He doesn't waste a vowel. But I knew what he meant. And in the same way, Jesus is very intentional in the, using the words, I am. Now, we have this thing with, with my friend Phil, who sat at the back, where if we're preaching and we make a comparison like that, we say, oh, you've compared Jesus to Jay-Z. I think the best one Phil did was comparing Jesus to Saddam Hussein, the ones in, in the comparison he made. Um, he might share that with you one day. But yeah, I'm sure I'll get it back. You compared Jesus to Jay-Z. And if you're not sure who Jay-Z is, um, if you'd like to speak to my mum and dad over there or Ron and Rachel over the back, they're forever playing him around the house, um, and, and grooving and doing whatever they do to Jay-Z. So what was the significance of Jesus saying, I am? Well, let's jump forward in the book of John to chapter 8. And in, re in response to the Pharisees' question, who do you think you are? Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. See, that violent response of the Jews to Jesus' I am statement indicates they clearly understood what he was declaring, that he was God incarnate, because Jesus was equating himself with the I am title God gave himself in Exodus Chapter 3, verse 14, and it's come up on the screen. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Because if Jesus had just wanted to say that he existed before Abraham's time, he would have just said, before Abraham, I was. And the Greek word translated to was in the case of Abraham and am in the case of Jesus are quite different. The words make it clear that Abraham was brought into being but from John 1, we know Jesus existed eternally. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and Jesus was the Word. Now, there's no doubt that Jews understood what he was saying because they took up the stones to kill him for making himself equal to God. And you can imagine getting people worked up, can't you? Who does he think he is? 
Who does this guy think he is? Calling himself, I am. Maybe some mocked him, thinking he was a nutter. Who does this guy think he is? Such a statement, though, if it wasn't true, if it's not true, is blasphemy. And the punishment for blasphemy in the Mosaic laws was death. But Jesus didn't blaspheme. He was, and he is God. He's the second person of the Godhead. He's equal to the Father in every way. So over the summer, as we look at the I am statements, don't just skip over those two words, but remember the significance of them and the additional impact they would have had to those who heard it as they came out of Jesus' mouth. So now let's look at the second part of the statement, the bread of life. Because John recorded Jesus' promise that all who freely accept this bread will no longer hunger. But, but why bread? It's quite plain, isn't it? Boring. Well, Jesus spoke in terms of parables and analogies, which everybody, all people could understand. Bread was and is a staple food, isn't it? In its most basic form, it's two ingredients, flour and water. Yeah? So everyone, regardless of their status, knew what bread was and how it satisfied their natural hunger. And for first century Jews, which is who Jesus was talking to, having bread was essential to survival. Simply put, without bread, there was no life. And in light of the Passover, Jesus knew the Jewish leaders and the God's people would understand his reference to bread. And if we go back to Exodus chapter 16, which is in the Old Testament, we see how just after two months in the wilderness, when the Israelites had been led out of Egypt by Moses, the wandering around the wilderness, they were complaining about being hungry and missing all the food that they'd left behind in Egypt. And in verse 4 we read, the Lord then, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And these people that Jesus was talking to knew that manna was the miraculous bread given to the Israelites as they travelled through the desert. They had enough to satisfy their hunger each day, but if they kept any for the next, it would go rotten and spoil with worms. The Israelites in the desert had to trust God daily, for, literally for their daily bread. And the Jewish leaders at Jesus' time referred to bread or manna as spiritual food too. So that's the kind of context back there. Coming back up to John chapter 6 where we are today. The day before Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he'd fed the crowd of 5,000. We know the story of feeding the 5,000. I think now it's 5,000 was only counting the men and maybe it was actually more than 5,000 when you had in the women and the children. And he fed them with? How many loaves? How many fish? Two, five loaves and two fish. <laughs> I'm sure there's a book on that you can read, Jean, if you're not sure. <laughs> sorry, that's an in-joke because Jean reads all the books. That's Jean reads all the books, sorry. Therefore, the idea of bread satisfying their hunger would have been very much in the minds of the people. Only the day before, Jesus had provided them with bread to satisfy their hunger. And not since the days of the manna had bread been provided in such a miraculous way. And they were so taken by it, in verse 14, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. They were starting to see there was something different about Jesus, but they hadn't quite grasped what that difference was. Because in fact, the people were so taken by it, they'd followed him to Capernaum, which is where Jesus had gone to after the feeding of the 5,000. And they'd gone hoping to get more bread. Can you imagine that? Jean, come on, Jean, let's go and get some bread. Let's go and get some more bread. Come on, come on, Jean. I don't know why I picked Jean, but 
Very truly, Jesus responded when they got to him. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because, uh, because you're after the low, you, you ate the loaves and had your fill. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus responded, and that started another conversation between the people and Jesus. They wanted to know, what was this work that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. So if they want this bread, they have to believe in the one who he has sent. And then the people asked for a sign, referring to the example of their ancestors eating manna in the wilderness, quoting, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus continues, he says, very truly, I'll tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So the people, okay, so we've got to do the work of God. The work is believing the one who we are sent. And then it says, the breads come from the father, come from heaven. It gives life to the world. Okay. Well, give us the bread then. Give us this bread. And then we get to verse 35, which is when Jesus says, he declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And in that statement, Jesus overturned the traditional Jewish beliefs by referring to himself as the bread of life. He related, through the relation to hunger, a physical need, he explained how he can satisfy each and every desire, not just for physical food, but for spiritual food. And we've already said Jesus' words were very carefully chosen and be describing himself as the bread of life in verse 35, who has come down from heaven, verse 38. He's proclaiming himself to be manna himself. Yeah? You following me with that? This was just too much for some people. It blew their minds too much and they started to grumble. Okay, we wanted the bread, but now this bloke, this, this bloke saying that he's the bread? He's come from heaven? So Jesus, because of the grumbling, I think repeats his claim, but this time he goes a bit further. And we pick it up from verse 48. He says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So not only is God the provider of our physical needs, but his word made flesh satisfies our souls too. Now if you remember, we'd read John 1 before, yes? In the beginning was the word. Well, in John 1, 14, we continue, it continues and we read, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So Jesus is the word and the bread of life. 
The Word and therefore Jesus became flesh. So if we're to eat of this bread, are we to eat his flesh? Well, this, their minds were already blown, the Jews. At this, they just couldn't cope. It was way too much from before they were grumbling. In verse 52, they were arguing amongst each other about what Jesus was saying. But Jesus isn't finished though. And you know, we sometimes think about Jesus being kind of quiet and that. But actually, he was kind of stirring the pot a bit here, wasn't he? Like pushing them a bit further in terms of their beliefs and understanding. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever eats on this bread will live forever. Now at this point, can I emphasise that the communion we took earlier was just symbolic. They're not literally Jesus' flesh and blood. It's just bread and juice. It doesn't become his body. It doesn't become his blood. They're just symbols like Jesus used at the Last Supper. There's nothing special about the bread. It's quite nice, but nothing special. I'm guessing it's just normal supermarket bread. Juice, just normal juice. When Jesus talks about eating the flesh and drinking his blood, we need to think of it in terms of consuming his teachings, his instructions, his wisdom, his guidance. So this morning, if you want to eat the bread of life, get into the Bible. Start studying the Bible, reading that, consuming that, spending time in his presence, spending time with him, spend time in prayer, time in worship. That's how you partake of the bread of life. So the first of the I am statements of Jesus is I am the bread of life. It describes the way in which we find full satisfaction in and through Christ alone. That we need to trust the living word to satisfy our physical bodies, heart and soul. You know, I didn't prime Mons in what he was talking about, I was talking about. But in his testimony, when prevented from going to church, he wrote he was denied spiritual food. And when he had that, when he went back, he was strengthened spiritually. But he says as he went to church, he also increased his physical strength and coordination. And he used the phrase, when he came back to church, I grew stronger and stronger. See, Jesus is imploring those, everyone to put full confidence in him. Trusting that he provides the wisdom that leads to true satisfaction. He's the only way to the Father. I think it's worth noting as well that before we get the bread, something has to die. Dead grain, usually wheat, gives us bread. And when we see how one life ends and dies, that it may give us other life, it adds further meaning to the words of Jesus, doesn't it? I am the bread of life is another way of saying, without my death, you cannot live. Just as bread is the essential element in the, in the human diet, Jesus says that he himself is the foundation for spiritual life. Without his death, no one can live. Those of us who come to him will never be hungry again. Those who believe will never thirst. Through his death, we live. He's the living word 
And in this one statement, Jesus describes our need for him, the hope that we find in him, and the surety that we'll be fully satisfied by our creator, the one true God. Let's just close our eyes a minute, uh, bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for this truth that you are the bread of life, that you satisfy every need. If we turn to you, if we spend time with you, if we consume and take on board all your teachings and your, your instructions, we bless your name. Lord, I pray as people have heard this this morning that if it's the first time anyone's heard it, it just lands, it just takes a hold, a seed is planted there and you start to nurture that. Lord, in the conversations afterwards, Lord, I just pray that you'll just help people to, to chat through something, anything that they may not quite understand or grasp. And if anybody wants to know any more about you, I pray that you'll give them the, the courage and the, the, the confidence to, to come and speak to me or speak to Rach or, or one of the guys that's been on the worship team or to see the prayer team this morning. Lord, we thank you that you do satisfy every need. That that's, we've heard the testimony of Mons that you've done that. And we thank you for your goodness to all of us daily. Amen. Amen. Thank you.